can't stop. Man, I can't stop. You're listening to the Sports Aid Vault podcast with me, Tom Gale. Yes, we are back with a second series. And this time around, the Sports Aid Vault is brought to you in association with Commonwealth Games England and the Team England Futures programme. Each episode will see us providing you with a unique insight ahead of the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Alongside special guests as Team England gets set to shine on home soil. We'll be offering a behind-the-scenes look at what a multi-sport games entails and take a deep dive into how athletes and their support staff can best prepare to deliver medal-winning performances, as well as making the most of the opportunities that they'll be presented with. This episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Danielle Brown, MBE, and Tim Lawler, MBE. Danielle is a proper archery hall of famer, having made history by becoming the first Paralympian to represent England in the able-bodied event at the Commonwealth Games, winning team gold in Delhi in 2010. She's a double Paralympic gold medalist from Beijing 2008 and London 2012 in the women's individual compound event, plus a five-time world champion. Danielle is now a motivational speaker, children's author and champion of inclusion. And not only that, she's an ambassador for Birmingham 2022, where she'll be a mentor for the Team England Futures programme. Tim is the chief executive of SportsAid, a position he's held since 2004 after making the switch from rugby union, having worked for seven years at Saracens, where he was the youngest managing director in the men's premiership. Back in 2011, Tim was the first person to be publicly named as a London 2012 Olympic torchbearer in recognition of his work with SportsAid and also his overwhelming passion for supporting and providing opportunities for young people. During Tim's tenure, the charity has been given responsibility to manage several Sport England back programmes, including the Talented Athlete Scholarship Scheme, some of you may know that as TAS, the Back in the Best programme, and more recently, Team England Futures. Incredibly, he also still finds time to chair the LTA Tennis Foundation. In this episode, I'll be asking Danielle and Tim about what it means to be part of Team England and representing its values. Get their excitement for Birmingham 2022, how the build-up's going, and get stuck into the importance of the Team England Futures programme. Right, here we go. Welcome, Danielle and Tim. So, Danielle, Tim, thanks for joining us. Let's park our respective hats of former athlete sports aides to one side. And, Tim, if I come to you first, just a thought of a major summer games on the horizon, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. I can see you smiling already. Talk me through just those emotions of being on the verge of a, a major championship. Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. I am smiling because I'm excited and I don't think anyone in sport and maybe at the fringes of sport wouldn't feel the same way. It's been quite a tough two and a half years or so, just getting through, surviving, keeping that passion going or the keeping your focus and momentum on what you were trying to achieve in sport, whatever your capacity. And people often refer to Birmingham 2022, the Commonwealth Games, as a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, something pulling them forward through that and now it's what you know I don't know 80 90 days away something like that it's pretty close very real 
The planning is visible everywhere you look in sport at the moment. And it feels fantastic. You know, people's minds are already racing to those full venues, you know, that expectation, the little bit of buzz when the ticket's getting passed around and you're ready to go meet your mates or join your colleagues to go to those events. And personally, from from my perspective, it's been a long time coming, you know, home games. We haven't seen a multi-sport games on British soil for quite a while. And certainly the memories I have of those are fond ones. You know, the buzz that the nation feels, how the press pick up almost everything, every story about it. Um, how we get to know many, many more athletes in a much more intimate way and just how excited the broadcasters get. So the footage you see on TV, the podcast content, pretty much like this one, maybe across TV and, and radio, just absolutely brilliant. It's everywhere, wall to wall. I suppose a particular favourite is the roundup on the breakfast TV. You always see who's celebrated a medal or who's trying to hide disappointment. Amazing, really. So uh, the long and the short of it is I'm very, very excited. It's a, it's a professional excitement, but it's a very deep personal one too. Danielle, it's probably easier for me. and Well, it definitely is. Me and Tim have never been to a major event or athletics careers pale in comparison to someone like yourself because you have all that you know muscle memory as regards to going back to an athlete but just now in your capacity as just a sports lover the prospect of a games in Birmingham which the British nation should expect to do exceedingly well in yeah I mean going to a games is incredible and I really wasn't expecting London 2012 was just amazing you know that the people as Tim was saying getting behind you as an athlete it just felt so special and I I really can't wait for Birmingham you know that that same atmosphere that that the people really picking up on different sports shining a spotlight as well on sports that that we don't tend to hear a lot about I, I think is really really important because sport is just so incredible and diverse and amazing uh, and quite often uh, a lot of the the larger sports overshadow some of the smaller ones so, so it's great when, when really people get behind it we get to see much more variety and diversity there. Tim there's going to be athletes of all backgrounds competing in Birmingham but can you talk us through your understanding of obviously how funding is because some athletes they'll be there on on their own they, they've achieved all they they can from their own hard work others get support from sponsors or their national governing bodies can you just explain how sports aid comes into supporting athletes that are going to be in Birmingham? Yeah that's an interesting question because the perception is that sport is quite complicated. There's lots of layers to the sporting environment and therefore could be quite difficult to navigate as a, as a coach or as a young athlete, particularly trying to find your way. And, and I think to an extent, that's probably quite true. I think if you redrew the sector of sport, you might find that some things could be consolidated, made a little bit easier. But as things stand, there's a very clear focus with the many organisations involved. So I suppose top-down might be a good way to think about it. In simple terms, that rarefied, high-performance atmosphere is very much the responsibility of an organisation called UK Sport, who have a very pointed view on that really uh, competitive international stage. And they then work very closely with what we call the national governing bodies of sport, the NGBs, to understand what cohort of talented athletes are meeting a standard that would put them in 
selection potentially into a final as a competitive team and then maybe have a medal opportunity and that investment is this world-class funding that is often talked about funded by the national lottery that directly goes to help individual athletes prepare in that very very high pressure environment of international stage full international competition and all of its demands whether it's a judo specific world champs or judo as part of an olympic or paralympic games so that is to leave no stone unturned and to support every piece of development possible for those individuals and the idea is it's it's the optimal funding it's everything that's needed but of course not every sport gets the same amount of funding so there's a little bit of make do and mend in there and successful sports tend to have a more compelling case so they might get more funding other sports might be on a downward trend or an upward trend in terms of medal success so their funding can be a little bit in doubt so that that's worth bearing in mind at the top of the very top of the pyramid and many of those athletes might supplement their income because of their profile with some sponsorship and that sort of works hand in hand so if it's an incredible amount of sponsorship you would dial down the national lottery funding if it's pretty much fair to manage you'd probably end up with the benefits of both so you've got a good resource in theory available to you to live week to week eat day to day and then prepare accordingly not by any means easy it doesn't cover absolutely everything you would like to do but the theory is it covers what you might need to do to stay in that environment and i think uk sport are aware that it can't only be performance led and everyone will have been aware of recent years in considering medals and more and understanding the holistic approach to a high performance environment to get the best from people so you don't feel rinsed out and dropped if you don't succeed but equally you can build on the opportunity to excel and develop your potential and your personal best so i think that's worth bearing in mind at the top of the pyramid if you like or at the end of that journey that's a better way of thinking about it and then there is a the scientific support that goes hand in hand with that is part of the english institute of sport and each of the home nations has a degree of that sports science input that will um, allow athletes and coaches to really push the boundaries. And, you know, we could get into that for a whole podcast, but not my area of expertise, but it exists and it adds value and obviously has a cost. And again, fits neatly with UK sports focus there. Each of also the home nations, uh, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, has a, a sports council, their home nations sports council. So let's say for our purposes, Sport England. So Sport England has a view on the national picture of sport. So let's say England, and this is very pertinent for a Commonwealth Games year. So Sport England will supplement some of that investment into supporting English athletes that could then be part of a Team England for a Commonwealth Games. So in Sport England's point of view, who work very, very closely with UK Sport, of course they would, but Sport England's brief is not just talent and performance, but it's coach education, it is community sport, physical activity, physical activity for public health, um, maybe a little bit of introduction to sport, community sport. The list is hugely broad. And what UK sport might invest in four years, roughly speaking, Sport England will invest in one year, hundreds of millions. So it's the infrastructure and fabric of sport. Commonwealth Games year makes that very special for them. So the investment and commitment Sport England put to Team England, same for Sports Council of Scotland with Sports Scotland and so on with their team, 
will be much more focused on the games. And I think that brings a real degree of excitement. The other element from, from my perspective, and perhaps that's then from young athletes' perspective, is when Team GB is picked with the input of UK Sport Insight, that is across all of the UK, GB, so includes England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. So to be picked into Team GB is a very much a top slice of your form and potential at that point. When you look at a Commonwealth Games, you're looking home nations only. You can English athletes can only compete for Team England. So the selection often goes a little bit deeper into that talent pathway, which means that younger athletes might see the Commonwealth Games as their breakthrough games. It's their first chance to be picked in that multi-sport international environment, and that brings sports aid into play. So our systemic role across that system is the first bit of organised help, if you like, for all of those emerging athletes that are hoping to get up onto UK sports radar in that high-performance environment. So we would be supporting athletes across England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales that are emerging, the next-generation athletes. And for them also, a Commonwealth Games then suddenly becomes super hot topic because they've got a chance of that deeper selection. So uh, I think sports aid is always mindful that even current athletes, young, emerging, talented young athletes that have been brought to our attention might just have a shot of a Commonwealth Games pick whilst we're still helping them. And we might come on to discuss that a bit further from Danielle's experiences as well. But for, for me, that that that's the main sort of structure that I think is relevant to try and bear in mind what investment what responsibilities are in play to make sure that athletes have a chance to perform at their optimal level when the big games come. And all you need to do is think for a home games, however big it is, it's a bigger deal. And it just puts it right in the spotlight even further for everyone involved. And Danielle, I think it's fair to say for some listeners, they may be hearing that detail for the first time because I think some of us do presume we watch elite sport and we understand that football is the biggest in the United Kingdom in terms of attention and revenue. And it's like our own jobs, you know, we get that wage and we turn up and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that regular thing. But you all know too well, don't you, that sort of, balancing act that Tim's talked about in terms of obviously identifying a major championships or Commonwealth Games as your aim but then you're having a number of potential funding routes whether it's working for yourself or then accessing sports aid other private sponsors as well it can be quite complicated and I imagine stressful as well yeah massively stressful um so for me it was it was a case of only being as good as your last medal so you had to perform in order to get that funding for the next year and without that funding it was impossible to dedicate the the training um so so, so it just sort of added more weight more pressure to it and and i mean that the funding is brilliant you know it allows you to train it allows you to uh to, to fund a lot of the cost you know sport costs a lot of money not just in terms of equipment but but all the training the the, the, the scientific support that the coaching that that you might need so it, it that that is is amazing amazing support that that is provided but as you say monstrously stressful to um to manage whilst you're an athlete and I think, we'll, as you've explained there, Tim, sort of the funding there is to compete and perform and do well at those games. But another strand and a key emphasis of this uh, this podcast is looking at the future uh, I and mean, the Team England Futures programme is just an incredible concept that's been introduced, which is forward planning, isn't it? Thinking that our next 
you know, medal winners are perhaps not going to be in Birmingham this summer, but how can we best prepare them for that potential next major game? So can you talk us through the, the Team England Futures programme as well, please? Yeah, Team England Futures is a really interesting concept. And I think uh, building on some good principles that everyone might be familiar with, and, and I'm sure listeners will feel that too, that the idea that you would go to um, a competitive environment or a first experience on the very first time you go, you smash it and, and you nail it. I mean, that would be a surprise and probably quite unusual. You pro- Everyone lives by learning from experience. And I think to try and create a meaningful way that you could have a little, just a little dip of your toe in the water to see what um, the exam room looks like. If it's a school environment, you have mocks for a reason to try and get used to the idea of that pressurized environment. Principles the same. So over the years, Paralympics GB with a, a thing called Paralympic Inspiration Program and Team GB with a thing that they called Ambitions have dabbled a little bit with trying to take relatively small cohort of emerging athletes to a major games to get them to see a little bit behind the scenes and get a you know smell the atmosphere feel the pressure see the lights you know all that sort of principle to give them the best possible chance of them imagining that in their mental preparation for the time their moment may come and from our perspective Uh, the opportunity to get involved with the home games heightens that even more because you don't have major travel expenses, you can involve more people and you can control the environment that little bit more. It'd be difficult in Rio or even Tokyo that the athletes experienced recently. But at home now and the fact that we're we're out of the worst of the pandemic touch wood means that we can be very optimistic of thinking that meaningful experience could be a game changer. So... Team England themselves, Commonwealth Games England and Sport England, got their heads together on the back of the Gold Coast Games because out in Gold Coast, remarkably, there were more home nations athletes in the Gold Coast in Australia. That's England, uh, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales together. 900 and odd home nations athletes had a Commonwealth Games experience in 2018, which was almost doubled the number of home athletes in Team Australia at their home games. So the value across a GB or UK-wide perspective was immense. So they they seeded the idea that how ambitious could we be with a Team England Futures project, something that could take as many as feasibly possible to get to experience everything a home games in Birmingham this summer has to offer. The opportunity to identify age and stage specific. So what we mean by that would be athletes on the cusp of breakthrough, really established in the talent pathway but Birmingham just came too soon so Paris Olympic and Paralympic Games in only two years time could well be a feasible opportunity for them then a cohort that are in that talent pathway progressing on a trajectory that tells us that perhaps Paris or just beyond that maybe the next Commonwealth Games in 2026 very much could be a realistic opportunity for them. So a cohort there that are uh, probably a little bit further back than that first group I mentioned. And then also we thought the opportunity that there must be talent across the country that is just off the grid. It's not part of this governing body system, you know, part of a talent pathway that might feel a bit alien to them. It's not part of their background or their understanding of sport. But yet... They could tear the trees up in a particular sport. It might be our next best ever champion. But for some reason or other, it could be cost. It could be tradition. It could be background. It could be geography. 
they're just not getting a, an opportunity. And so sports aid, it was suggested that we also include that in futures too. And we go and build some bridges with other organizations so we don't miss the opportunity Birmingham presents. The most diverse city in Europe, if not the world. Credible history of inclusion, involvement, opportunity, potential, aspiration. You know, these things are working massively in our favor. We have to transport them across and shape them to benefit sport as well. So in, in a nutshell, it's a massive futures project all about our future generation of athletes, but not to pressure them to win medals. It's to give them a meaningful experience that allows them to develop their personal potential and their personal best. Could be in sport, and we hope it is. I mean, remarkably, I think Team GB debutants, uh, 30% of a first-timer wins a medal when they compete at a British level. It's second, uh, I can't remember the nation, it's second only two, but we're in the top two or three nations in the world for that conversion rate. And I think that's partly by accident, partly by good planning. And I think futures creates the confidence to think, actually, it's going to be a bit more about good planning now. So I think one of the ambitions for futures is it becomes the way we always work with the next generation now. And it might not be always related to a home games because they don't come around very often. But the principles we're putting in place for this project, rounded support, parental involvement, consultation with the governing bodies, age and stage specific, very inclusive, removal of barriers, seems to me like a wonderful template to build on for the future. And Danielle, as Tim's rightfully pointed out, in all our walks of life, we learn from experience, don't we? And largely it's when you've been thrown at the deep end and you're like, oh, I didn't know about that. So next time I'll re-erect it and do it for better for next time. Put yourself in one of these potential athletes of the Team England Futures shoes or, you know, as regards to whatever event that they're competing in. The benefit that you can reflect on, on having to go inside and just see how it all works. Because, of course, you can watch it on the telly, you can listen to it on the radio and you can have a good idea. Coaches will tell you, other athletes will tell you. But the benefit of being essentially without the elite performance element of competing at the Games, but getting to experience as much as that where the food hall is, how far your room is to the track or to the archery centre or things like that. Talk us through how, how game-changing that could be if you, if, if you reflect on your own career. Massively game-changing. So I remember my, my preparation for Beijing 2008. That, that was my first Games. And as you say, we had all that support. We, we got the video walkthroughs. We had coaches talking about it, athletes talking about it. And I remember one of my teammates saying, oh, take loads of stuff to do because it gets quite boring. And I remember thinking, I am going to the Paralympics. This is the biggest event of my life. There is no way on earth it is going to be boring. It really was boring. You know, when I mean, I mean the, the, the event itself, when I was training, when I was competing, that was amazing. But I didn't realize how much free time you have in the village. So, I, you know, the, the training um, facilities is only open for half a day. So I, I was thinking, oh, I can go there, I can train all day and then I can come back and I've got my evening to, to chill. And it doesn't work like that. I, I was allowed to train from uh, until 12 o'clock and then I got all afternoon stuck in this enclosure. And I'm just like, what what do I do? What, how, how do I fill my time? So um, it, it was a big eye opener. And even though I've been told uh, about it, it wasn't something that I really actually fully comprehended till I experienced it. 
Uh, and as you say, getting around the village, how big it is, actually getting into it, the fact that you go through airport-like security, that you might need to take a bit more time in order to, to get to your venue or to get back. So, so that planning side of things is really, really important. Uh, and these are things that you've got to experience. You, you can't just be told about it. So, so I think this is a brilliant, brilliant programme that really does help young people develop the right skill set so it can get them in better frame of mind mentally, physically, uh, and build that confidence up for, for when they're ready to deliver better results. And Danielle, it's part of this effective culture, isn't it, that British sport has created? Obviously, if people aren't aware from dating back to lottery funding, where literally they've said, we're going to cost effect. If we're giving you all this money, we're going to go and explore every possible avenue as regards to how it is that you guys, we can give you the best platform to succeed, whether it's having the latest equipment, it's a, or like I say, in terms of those one percenters. And I guess at the moment, elite sport has the trouble of how do you find that extra edge? Because everyone else is doing similar things. Team Futures now and, and you know, taking these athletes and giving them that game experience, it's it's something new and different that, again, just, just helps set British sport apart, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at performance, there, there are so many different ways you can break it down to. And, and I think personally that investing and, and innovating in the person, you know, giving them the skills, getting them to, to build that up so that they can take more responsibility over their sports career, I think is just so, so empowering and powerful. And programs like that actually builds those foundations that, that allow those, not, not just the, the, the minor um, impacts, but really, really major ones down the line. I'd chip in with that, Tom, if I can. Sorry, just to say that uh, I think that that's a really good point from from Danielle about uh, seeing the person, not just the athlete. I think is a is a performance gain. Um, understanding the best comes from people when they're in the best environment and in their best frame of mind, that they feel valued, listened to, they've got a sense of belonging. We all know great teams work sometimes like that, and it's not just about. 11 great footballers or 15 great rugby players, there's an X factor in there somewhere that comes from understanding these people as people. And and I have a feeling that for a little while, maybe I'm not one to demonise sport. I don't think any sector of our society is perfect. I think sport has so much to offer and it does offer it. And I think people sometimes have to look harder to see that. But always looking for improvement, I think, is a good way to do So we have to be honest that sport sometimes isn't always spot on with everybody's experience within it, and some are excluded. And I think self-awareness to get that is a good starting point. And then from there, we need to do something about it. And I think this is emerging where uh, I, I, I don't really feel, maybe there were a few years where a smile was a sign of weakness. Oh, it's very important. Oh, the weight on our shoulders, this high performance. And we've stopped using that word elite I think we think it's quite closed. You know, it's not very inviting. We don't think it's aspirational anymore. High performance describes that for us much more effectively. And we feel then that it should be about you enjoying the opportunity. You have to take it, still hard work, and it's still down to the individuals to perform with the right support and encouragement. But ultimately, it's we're in it together. It's, it's a shared endeavour with a common goal. And... It excites me to think that we might get better at that in understanding someone who needs an arm around the shoulder. Someone else might need a little, you know, metaphorical nudge. 
just understanding that and all the things in between that about time of day that they learn most effectively, how quickly they recover, how they respond to pressure, how they help their friends around them. I think we get massive gains from that. So I think our next frontier, you know, if lottery was one and sports science was another, I think our next frontier is, as Danielle suggests, the individual. It's understanding the person and that will give us the game we might need to stay top five globally, top three globally, maybe maybe number one globally. It's the human capital that I think we haven't quite untapped yet because we've looked at some of the outputs, not necessarily all of the inputs. And Danielle, I guess what also is doing, it's, it's empowering the athletes to share that knowledge as well. Because obviously for them, it will be a huge benefit of individually, this is the insight to a major games. But as you'll be testament to yourself, your, your support crew is extensive, isn't it? And sometimes your coaches or even your parents, your loved ones, your friends and family, just making them aware of some of the challenges that you will be going through in building up to a major games. Again, we can't be perfect. No, you know What we replicate in Birmingham is not necessarily what it's going to be like in Paris or any future major games. But just getting those cogs thinking of, I've experienced what it's potentially like and I'll share that information with those who are helping guide my career and empowering them to help better support me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I came from an individual sport. So even there, I had a huge support team behind me, uh, as do all athletes. You know, you need that team there in order to deliver results. I tended to find that as an athlete, I was the one that got all the support, you know, all the, all the help from the national governing body, which was fantastic. Whilst that wider support team, they were, I, I was learning to be the best athlete I could be. They were learning how to be the best support they could be and they didn't quite get the same kind of support, particularly around families. I, I think families are such an incredible source of support. And, you know, my, my, my family, my parents were absolutely brilliant. Got it wrong, like you said, you know, that there were conversations, that, that there were things that, that, that we needed to have in order to create that, that brilliant relationship, that brilliant approach, but honestly couldn't have done it without them. And, and as you say, getting, getting this experience right at the beginning, having those conversations, understanding how to start that dialogue and the sort of things that, that you can say, the so, sort of support that other athletes are getting from their support team. You know, I think if, if we take that more collaborative approach, I think everyone wins, everyone gets better, everyone gets stronger and faster, better skilled. And Tim, if, if we strip it back, it's a major games. It's the, you know, their athletes are there to compete, perform, win medals. So that experience for Team England Futures, I've seen that background is, is inevitable as regards to a major championship. But feel free to take full permission here to wax lyrical about Birmingham. What is it going to be so special in your eyes? Obviously, not only being a home games, but undoubtedly the, the amazing show that Birmingham will be putting on for us all. Yeah, I mean, that is... a a really good point Tom that Birmingham sets a high watermark I think in terms of a major event the ambitions they have are absolutely outstanding and it probably picks up on the earlier point we were talking about about the individual so and this isn't at all a criticism of the Olympic movement and Paralympic movement but quite often for a number of years athletes perhaps selected as an archer or selected as a shooter or a judoka or a swimmer pretty much has to stay as the judoka, the archer, the swimmer, the taekwondo, whatever it may be. They have to be that. They go to the games. They're part of that delegation. Um, there's not a lot of rigor room to express their personal views. They stay within a certain structure within the team, the sport, 
and maybe the infrastructure of the IOC or the IPC. And for many, many years, Commonwealth Games has positioned itself as the friendly games and probably justifiably slightly different approach. And maybe Tom Daly was a brilliant example of that out in the Gold Coast, that Tom arrived as Tom, who happened to be a diver. And Tom talked about his personal life, talked about his excitement becoming a parent, etc., etc. And there was enough room to allow him to be just himself, even within that formal, uh, professional, well-managed infrastructure of a major games. And Birmingham will take that to a whole other level. The opportunity for you to have an opinion, to share it, to inspire people from your communities, your country, your your background, your your faith, your gender, uh, all of the things relevant to you, you have room to talk about what made you and brought you to that point without any sort of limitations or worries too much. And who knows where that may go in the future? Athlete activism? Who knows? But I think the point that it's about individuals coming together is part of the essence of Birmingham. So the, they'll be, and then they brought that to life in a number of ways. So the first ever carbon neutral games makes a global statement about global events. Uh, there are more medals available for female athletes than male athletes to sort of positively uh, respond to maybe the lack of opportunity that might have grown over the years through there and to celebrate rapid growth and spotlight in women's sport. Um, the fully integrated para disciplines as part of the schedule of the sport has been in other Commonwealth Games, but not as big as Birmingham. So Birmingham will take that to another level as routine. These will become the norms going forward and they're Birmingham's organising committee's ambitions. So how do we translate that to Team England Futures? This, this, this group of emerging athletes whose future generations will be part of the structure of British sport, well, it'd be great if it's the norm for them as well. So we've created a, an induction process for them and their parents and guardians to involve them in this process. What if the whole of the talent performance pathway did the same thing? after Birmingham going onwards, included them in, this is what's next, this is what's involved. I mean, parents regularly tell us they don't have a playbook to follow. They've, 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 they've got a daughter or a son who's just blooming brilliant at a sport. Where did that come from? What do we do next? So the opportunity for them to feel part of being listened to, belonging, not just kept in the corner. I mean, our research tells us mum and dad invest on average, and this is collectively, just in our sports aid snapshot, about £8 million a year supporting their youngsters sport can't afford not to have that eight million invested and parents will always do that they'll always support the young people whether it's in music or whether it's in art or whether it's in sport or whatever where they can they'll do what they can that's got to be recognized because it's a fantastic asset and then for the participants themselves we've got an online hub where everything they could need is online they could look at it on their phone there's live sessions that they can have with experts. It's all free of charge. They could do it any time of day suitable to them because not everyone's up for an 8.30 lecture or a, a 9 o'clock workshop or a nutrition session at tea time. So they've got the opportunity to do that. There's loads of assets they can share with their parents. There's mental well-being, uh, cognitive behaviour therapist on there talking about performance anxiety and personal self-doubt, self-belief, etc., etc. So they've got a chance there to maybe be uh, uh, signposted in the right way supported in the right way loads of other topics and then ultimately the chance to go to Birmingham so have a day at the games bit of a behind the scenes feel tickets to events chances to mix with their colleagues so remember we were saying a swimmer wouldn't meet a cyclist until they're in a multi-sport team 
Well, Team England Futures can make that happen right now. So they've got a chance to mix and mingle. And actually, they often find out they've got more in common than they have differences. And and the thing I'm most excited about Birmingham, apart from it's so, so accessible, is the city wants it to happen. In fact, it's probably overdue. You know, Birmingham's always been in the mix for hosting something like this for a while. It's been up for it. It's just missed out a couple of times. It's not had its confidence dented, but it's gone away and thought about that. And now this this is a, you know, talk about that phrase, time to shine. But, they, you know, absolutely certain Birmingham will not drop the ball. They will rinse this and build it to be the proper landmark moment they want it to be to then step on with the city. So, you know, all of the different opportunities around community sport, physical activity for health, um, infrastructure investment, sporting facility investment, uh, young people employment opportunities. and I mean, the list goes on. They are absolutely looking at ways in which this can be a trigger or a catalyst for change. And that will rub off on everyone. Everyone that gets a chance to see or go to Birmingham will feel that it'll be palpable. And our job from a sports aid perspective is not to prepare Team England in the highest performance environment, it's to prepare the next Team England or some of the next Team GB to understand what's asked of them and what they might come across. Danielle says the bright lights, the food hall, the travel, the distances, the ticketing, your accreditation, getting your kit washed. I mean, just trying to eat the right things at the right time and go, for goodness sake, go to bed, get some sleep. You know, it's exciting, but you've got to have that rest. We want to, in a fun way and meaningful way, give them the chance to live that experience, be a non-competing Team England. I mean, that's, that'll be our goal. And Danielle, how, how important is just that recognition? Because you'll know, you train for a long time. I'm sure the highs are incredibly high, but then you go back into another block of training, don't you? You're sort of always building up to these big moments and just embracing the facts, if they can, just to say, wow, you know, I may not have mi- I missed out on Birmingham, but wow, Team England think... I am someone who could really excel in this format. And just that, you know, sometimes it's it's always got to be about medals or success or something like that. Just that recognition to say, I'm part of something here. And again, I feel as though I'm part of the family in terms of working towards hopefully fulfilling my potential. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a sports aid athlete back in the day. And, you know, whilst the, the, the funding was obviously really, really instrumental, for, for me, the big thing was that an organization actually believed in me. You know, they, they'd seen what I was doing. They'd seen that potential. They believed in it because they were investing in it. And, and I think that is just so, so powerful. And being able to give young people this opportunity, you know, it's such a really cool, immersive opportunity where, where they get to experience it. it. It isn't just about the knowledge that they're going to take away uh, and learn through, through the entire process. It's that belief that actually they've got what it takes to make it. And, and being in that environment where they can just learn so much to help fuel and drive that that passion, that dream, really stoke that motivation to keep them going and, and keep them believing. Because for, for me, whilst you, you train, you work really, really hard uh, on all the physical side of things of sport, and, and sport often gets seen as a physical thing, how fast you can go, how strong you are, how skilled you are. Actually, it, it's for, for me that mental side that is the most important because none of that 
that is any good if you can't hold it together in competition. So, so being able to develop things like that, that confidence to be able to learn from other athletes, um, but both current and former, I just think is, is so incredible. What an opportunity. And I guess it's going back to what Tim was saying about athlete centered, you know, just for not necessarily focusing on the performance, just getting a happy athlete there and hopefully the rest of it take care of itself. It's again, it's just being comfortable in your own skin because it's a challenge and people will say that they'll rightfully point out major games is what splits you guys as regards to, you know, if it was on paper, it'd be incredibly hard to split those arches. You'll know in terms of the accuracy that's required and the steady hand. But, you know, I get just really as an athlete feeling valued, you're not part of the food chain, essentially. You're not just there to win a medal, support GB, fund the next generation. We're investing in you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that is so important. I, I think when people value you, when they believe you, you are, I think, A, you want to give more. You know, you, you want to give it all you've got. But but it just sort of helps, uh, and and I think really it's been fantastic to see sport in in the last few years at least really take on board that whole concept of mental well being uh, and really bring that to to the forefront. And I, I know we've got a long way to go uh, in in many cases. You know this is quite quite a new thing. Um, but but it's brilliant that that that's where it's going that that's what's being invested that's what's being seen as important to support the next generation and beyond and before we get stuck into the games themselves and drawing on danielle's experience of obviously being a paralympian and being a commonwealth games medalist as well another as- interesting in- aspect tim as well is the sports aids west midland talent fund which is tied to the commonwealth games as well you mentioned about Birmingham's going to leave an indelible link on the Commonwealth Games. And this is another strand as well of them inspiring those from a local area as well. Can you just explain how that's all going to work? Yeah, very much so. Uh, We hope it will. I think the idea from Team England Futures entirety is it's a bit of a test and learn. It's based on very good experience. There's very good ambitions within this. And Team England Futures will no doubt create... um, a great impact, you know, it'll achieve many of the objectives that we've set out and already chatted about, really. We would very much like some of that to endure beyond the games. So you mentioned earlier about athletes sharing their experience. I think that's a key thing. So we're going to support them to do that when they go back to their clubs and their training groups and maybe into their national governing bodies. Give them the right support to share what they might have picked up. So we'll have reflection points. We'll have a chance for them to share what they feel comfortable sharing because there has to be something to take away from that, to to pay it forward for others and then see the value of that. But I think critically too, it could well inspire people that aren't there. So it might be the opportunity for someone who sees the games, maybe spectates, maybe gets a chance to see Team England Futures, traveling around a little bit it's quite a big cohort of of young people maybe they'll hear or read about it and they could then think given it's such a diverse group that what they were doubting about a certain sport or or sport in general um, maybe they overcome those doubts and thinks it can be for me and it could be a way that I could get involved and sport is a brilliant social mobility tool but it's certainly great for aspiration and and ambition self-confidence and we'd like to encourage the local business community, maybe local people around that West Mids region, that we could support people whose heads have been turned in that way, young people that would love the opportunity to step on and give it a serious crack and to ring fence some funding for that region post-games to try and help 
typically we get about 80 to 100 young people nominated to sports aid for help from that region so we'll assume something similar if not more going forward and we'd like to make sure we can help every single one of them and of course being a charity we don't always have the confidence to say that because we have to have the funds to do it so if we could create a brand new fund just for the west midlands just for those talented athletes in the region who they've seen their host their host city or their host region being play home to the games um, for the next five years from 2022 onwards we want to help all of them each year so the fund is an invitation to local business local people to commit to being involved you can make a massive difference it could be game-changing for those young people and we've got the infrastructure to make sure the right people are helped at the right time so there would be no doubt that those people were getting the right sort of support in the right way for all the reasons we've already discussed. And that would be a great aim. I mean, I, uh, you know, my greatest imaginable goal there is we get to 2026, Sports Aid's 50th anniversary year, and we look back on previous years since Birmingham, four or 500 people from the region, young people from the region, have had a chance to give it a crack and that the Games inspired them to take it on and we helped them do that. That would be tremendous. My drop the mic moment. It would be great. And Danielle, you're, you come, you're living testimony to this as regards to, I'm sure you can relate that thought of seeing as believing, seeing athletes. And, and we talked about how incredible Birmingham is going to be in terms of inclusivity as regards to having para-athletes competing alongside able-bodied athletes. Tim's touched rightfully on that regional diversity aspect as well as drawing in from the local community as well. So, these are incredibly powerful moments, are we? Where we'll see someone who perhaps had a similar condition to yourself, seeing you standing on the top of a rostrum, or if it's just merely participating. This is what sport does, doesn't it? We get hooked to it, we watch it on the TV screens, and someone's saying to mum, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, granddad, I want to do that. And again, we need to be prepared to help support those to help them at least explore that that potential life in sport. Yeah, yeah. I So I grew up, and I didn't even realise it was possible to have a career in sport. I think I could name two female athletes. And as, as a girl growing up, I, I just thought sport was something that you did in the evening or at the weekend for fun. I, I never realised that, that, that there was any sort of viable career path at all. And I, I think sort of that the more that we can showcase the brilliant people doing brilliant things, that the amazing opportunities, that the different roles and responsibilities that are there really highlight those. It it does inspire. It does make a difference. And being able to create that opportunity for all the, the, the different characteristics, different people, different backgrounds is just so, so incredibly important. And, and, and I'm really, really looking forward to Birmingham and just seeing this work in practice because I, I really do think it's going to be a game changer. So for yourself and specifically then, Daniel, so you went to two Paralympic Games and also you went to the Commonwealth Games in Delhi. What how excited are you about that prospect of, for you, you had those distinct experiences, didn't you? You went to an able-bodied games, but also you were in a, you've, your vast majority of your career has been in that power environment. That fusion together, how much do you think that's going to benefit all involved in terms of, you know, we are constantly striving for inclusivity, but we've still got a long way to go. But again, sport showing that they can be a huge melting pot of just bringing together. You all want to enjoy sport. You're all going to do it. But it could just be invaluable about taking society moving forward as well. Yeah, I mean, if you take the Paralympic movement, you know, the the way that it has changed the 
perception of disability has been incredible, you know, and, and sport has done that more than any other action, uh, policy, law or whatever. Sport is the thing that's really changed people's minds and got people to focus on ability and what a person can do rather than what they can't. And if we look at that, the Paralympics is is quite a fledgling movement, 60 years old. It's really, really snowballed into something huge. And and I think that it, it, it because it follows the Olympics, it's always been or historically it was the the sort of the the after event that the, the the second part to the Olympics, and the the Commonwealth Games that they've been doing it for a while where they've been introducing para sports, bringing people together as as brilliant. I, I did go to Delhi as an able bodied uh, competitor in that class, which was really really cool. But it was also great to see other para athletes there as well in their disciplines in their sports and and seeing them engage on that um with with those non-disabled athletes too so seeing this snowball and seeing it get bigger uh, in places like Birmingham seeing that movement grow I just think is so so important for how how we perceive things like disability how we perceive those different characteristics but also how sport is is growing emerging and and flourishing as, as we move into the future is there any, well, I suppose for, for particularly for para athletes, is there anything that they think that made they'll find difficult about combining in an, in an able-bodied schedule as regards to, as you've pointed out there, there's a reason largely sometimes why the Olympic and Paralympic are kept separate because, you know, everyone has their own platform, but understandably they need to be tailored in slightly different ways. Do you, do you have any concerns maybe about the con- combining of a schedule? No, I, I think I think the Paralympics and Olympics are are rightfully separate. You know, I know some people do debate whether they should be moved together, but I, I think having their different identities, their different brands, are important. But equally, I do think it is important that some events are inclusive, and there are spaces where para athletes and able-bodied athletes get the opportunity to come together. So, so I, I think that's brilliant. I I certainly noticed um, trans transitioning onto the able-bodied team one of the things that I had to get used to quite quickly was actually it's a much faster pace uh, and that actually helped me as an athlete grow develop learn but I I think it's important that when we bring different uh, different sports like that together that the para side the able-bodied side you know I I think both sets of athletes can learn you know when, when you look at how a competition is adapted for para sport and how the the athletes really respond and engage in that, I, I think it's just such an amazing, incredible learning experience for everybody, not just the athletes who are competing in that discipline. So yeah, no concerns. I, I think um, I think it's the right thing to do at the Commonwealth level. And and Tim, I don't want to predict things, but there's all hope that maybe the Commonwealth Games and Future presents that ideal platform of having a completely 50-50 schedule. How impossible that might be as regards to able-bodied and para-athletes all competing alongside as one. And just that benefit of empowering these athletes and, and showing them that you've talked about maybe voicing their views in the future on a variety of issues that... We're showing them this environment and some of them will take it and run with it and be more empowered from it, but also to learn. Because I think we still sometimes do see para and able body sport as completely separate. We all go off in our clicks. But again, everyone's coming together and moving forward together, I guess, as well. 
Yeah, that I mean, it's a really good point. That Tom, what what is the vision? You know, what what is the outcome to this uh, these changes? I think that the really big, high profile changes often come top down, uh, and often they're very important. And I mentioned a few about Birmingham being able to commit to the changes that it's committed to, but but often they aren't the most important ones. The proper movement changes are often bottom up where a generation sets a new bar of expectations and way of behaving and way of respecting or empathy for each other or understanding of people's journeys that little bit more. And that's very much where I see sports aid trying to contribute in that space. I think we can't, you know, much as we know some of the organising committee, it's not sports aid's lane to be saying, I think you should think about this or that or the other. Our lane is very clear, but I think our lane is broader than it was. I think we want to ensure that our enabling or encouraging or empowering of that next generation comes from the right place and it isn't doesn't just end up about that medal measurement and then it's about their life journey their contribution to each other as well as themselves and their family along the way and and I, I think the the future of sport can help that so the top-down changes like a fully integrated schedule of competition for example that you mentioned is one of those. I think another is that the selection of Team GB, Paralympics GB, Team England or other home nations teams reflects or even over-indexes on the population of the country. Danielle mentioned about um, the the role that a game changer makes, you know, a pathfinder that sets a new bar because it's the first time that you've seen someone from your community or your age or your gender or with your particular condition do something like that in the public spotlight to that degree or that often or you see them more than you would have seen them before people inspire people you can build the best stadium in the world but if it's empty it's empty it's what happens in it and I think that people platform is the one that slowly but surely and you might say that change needs to happen quickly and it's overdue I think that's fair I think that is fair but that shouldn't mean to say we shouldn't keep going with that change. And I think embracing the opportunity to give these pathfinders, the game changes, a platform, listen to them, listen to what they're saying, give them a spotlight to share their story, will undoubtedly contribute positively. So the big set pieces can help us, but it's the people we know that live around the corner that, you know, train at the local pool. That's that human capital is the one that will change perceptions for the future. And Sporte wants to try and nurture that. Danielle, talk to me about a home games. <laughs> I'm immediately seeing your face light up there because, of course, London 2012, you know, lifetime, many athletes have worked for those sort of moments. But this is Birmingham. It's Birmingham is understandably and rightfully very different experience in terms of its position in the country and all the whole nuances that they'll bring to it. But just purely from a home games perspective, talk us through some of the things that athletes will benefit from. Yeah, I mean, it it was just incredible, wasn't it, 2012? I think um, it's the first time I've ever known this country to be, like, collectively happy or positive about something rather than sort of the doom and gloom that you normally you normally see. It, it really was amazing. And uh, it uh, just the people, as as Tim was saying, it, it is the people that make a difference. Yeah, I, I went to two games. I, I went to, to Beijing and they had the money, the people, the resources to throw at it. And it was incredible. I went to London, the uh, games that we held in, the, well, the tail end of a recession. You know, it's sort of all, all the prep work was, was all the way through a recession. Everything about London was better, apart from the weather. And that, that wasn't that bad. 
So, you know, and it was that people, it, it was the fact that, that the nation got behind it. And I will admit, and do you know what? I think this is really important for, for athletes that are competing there, that are, are experiencing this. That did bring stress with it. You know, I I, I was the hot favourite to win. I that, that support, that it was amazing on one hand, you know, people getting behind you, but also when you looked at your phone to see what time it was and you got hundreds of messages from well-wishers, you know, whilst that was so, so nice of people to take time out of the day to say good luck, it also kind of added to the weight that you felt and you had to deliver, you, you had to go out there and be perfect. So I, I think that that people talk about that home crowd advantage. I do think there are conversations to be had about the home crowd disadvantage too. But I, I think that's part of the experience, that, that that's part of going through this, experiencing that, this, understanding this. But um, I, I just think, yeah, it, it, it's so cool getting to represent your country in your country. And I, I'm, I think I'm right to assume that the, there must just been a wave of emotion just flowing through as regards to, I'm not sure where you were in the schedule, but being on home soil and seeing other people thriving off that atmosphere, doing well, it's it, it sort of, you could just imagine it must just disseminate itself through the whole of Team GB, Paralympics GB, Team England, Team Scotland, Team Northern Ireland this summer, Team Wales, that because everyone's on your side pretty much on you of course there's going to be it's an international competition there's not going to be anyone but the vast majority of people in those stadiums in those centers in those swimming pools everyone's going to be cheering for them oh, absolutely it's just so cool so cool and, and also for, for me as well it was the first time that my family and friends had ever seen me compete internationally so you know they'd supported me through this entire career and actually to have them there was was just so so amazing but but you are right as as a collective team i mean um like my archery competition usually takes a week before you get to the medals bit but you know it seems to be this race you know who can get the first medal for for gb or, or england or whatever and, and when you do you know you just get so buoyed by by the fact that that somebody's got a medal for the team you know and it's just it's just an amazing feeling meeting your teammates from different sports learning who they are where they've come from what they do how it's all going it just is uh, completely different to anything else I've experienced in my entire life it really is amazing and Tim as regards to Team England's future as well is that we know sport we can plan so much it, it is going to be a bit of a lottery as regards to who eventually stands on top of those rostrums as regards to making it to there but just encapsulating that experience, even as a bystander, just being part of being in a village, seeing British, English, Scottish, Welsh, Northern Irish athletes coming back and, and winning medals as well. It, it, it's, it seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? I was just so excited about the prospect of how much they'll benefit from it. Yeah, very much so. I think that's right. And, you know, one would be optimistic that they would think there are some of those moments, the medal moments, and you can have some sort of shared feeling about just what that impact is in in a village environment or in your particular team camp. I can only imagine that, Dan, Danielle's lived it. Um, I, I could just only imagine it, amazing really. I think though, we often talk about meaningful experiences, not just positive experiences, because life doesn't always present those. They're, they're meaningful ones. So sometimes the lows or the setbacks, not being selected, picking up an injury, maybe not delivering as you would like to have done, or, or perhaps you did, but you didn't quite make the podium or the medal that you were after or the final or the PB. 
they're meaningful too because quite often they drive that next stage. You choose how to react to them. And I think you, we assume our friends and we assume athletes, we assume everyone we know, uh, just, just learn that through life. But actually you can be supported to spot those moments and see just a little pause and see what you can take from them. So when you win, you might have expected to win, hoped to win, that's still got to give you something to move on because you know the demands will keep getting harder to win next time. When you don't quite win, just being able to see the positives too and what you can learn from that and take forward. And when you're near to people in those environments, we think there's some value in you seeing how they behave. You see how they react, perhaps how they reflect on it. And part of Teaming the Futures doesn't just include athletes, it includes support staff too. So they will get to see how some of the Chef de Mission team manage Team England. They'll get to see a little bit about how the team leaders manage triathlon or manage the swimming or manage the lawn bowls, you know, all of the different elements. They'll just just be able to pick up a little bit about how organised they are, perhaps how they use the team around them, how do they communicate with officials, maybe their body language a little bit, or how they are personable or not in consoling someone's disappointment or perhaps uh, encouraging and celebrating someone's success. I think all of those really are, there's lots of value with that. And you can't quite say, perhaps with some specific topics, you know, tick it, learn it, you've got it. You just sometimes have to see it and hear it and watch it. And you can't unless you're there. So this this opportunity to be able to present that and maybe have time with them beforehand to get their mindset ready to watch out for that so that they don't go as spectators, they go as observers. So they're looking for things that they can see that perhaps they can take back for themselves or perhaps plug into their own thinking in some way um, would very much be what we're trying to achieve. And it sounds grand and maybe maybe it's unachievable in its 100% version, but even if we get some of that right by trying to create that, that's what we'll learn to get better at the next time we do it, perhaps with Paris, maybe maybe with the, the next Commonwealth Games too as well. But certainly I think that principle of just being able to learn from others takes many forms. And Danielle, you're a mentor. You're going to be in Birmingham, so you'll be able to pass on some of your lived experience and things. But is do you have it? Would you suggest the checklist of make sure you go and follow that athlete to the call room or you check out the food canteen, which of course they will do. But Or is it like I say, is it a bit more organic than that? Just being in and around it and they'll naturally just get to be more comfortable in a high performance situation. I think there's a bit of both, you know, I think that there are some core elements that you really, really ought to ought to take on board, you know, and for, and for me, sort of that the logistics bit, I think is really, really important just from a understanding how things work in the village or how, how what it takes to actually get to a venue, just sort of really simple things like that, I think so, so important, as well as understanding things like the pressure of a games and what that might mean, being in a, a multi-sport event that's been televised, etc., so, so those are really important, but also that organic side of things. You know, we all learn differently. We, we all. Well, I, I just find it so fascinating that when people are in the same environment, they all take something completely different from it. And so, I think it is important that we do have that organic side of things as well, so that they can get that really immersive experience and understand what's important to them and things that they 
might have had preconceptions about or might not quite realise. So, so I, I think taking a blended approach is probably the better way there. And also, you know, I would, I'm careful that we, we don't just focus on the moment in terms of, of course, understandably, they're by and large young people, so we can understand that their focus is me on top of that rostrum in five, ten years' time. But you'll know yourself, Danielle, sport is an incredibly short career as a high-performance athlete. You can, as we're perhaps going to touch upon now, extend that, but those moments of being the athlete are quite short. And what the athletes are going to benefit from now as well is maybe from not being in that pressurised situation of, right, this is my event, I'm competing, they can maybe take a backward step and also see the roles that are available at a multi-sport games because, you know, you can sometimes be quite insular, can't you? Myself and my coach, my parents, that's it, you know, we crack on. But, you know, in terms of the officiating, Tim's talked about chef demission. Let's not even talk about the media at home games in terms of the amount of journalists that are going to be there as well. So as difficult as it might be, would you... Perhaps just encourage athletes also to maybe look at that bigger picture of I'm here in the moment and in the next five, 10 years, I want to achieve this from sport. But equally, I love my sport so much, maybe open my eyes to some of the other ways that I can stay involved in this environment as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I I have one regret from my sporting career, and that is that I did not do more to prepare myself for life after sport whilst I was an athlete. And it, it was a real struggle when I came out of sport. You know, I, I found that so, so difficult. So I think that building those conversations in right at the start of the journey, you know, whilst it's really important that you do focus your attention on your sport and that's what you want to do, that's what you want to be, that that's really, really important. Actually, we need to start preparing long-term as well. So I, I think that being able to actually get a real understanding and appreciation of all the different elements that, that make sport the different careers that are available. I just think sort of seeing that, understanding that and giving people ideas that once your career in, in competition might be over, that's not necessarily the end of your career and you, you can go on to, to do some really exciting stuff uh, above and beyond just being an athlete. And, and Tim, you'll know from what you work within sports aid that it's, as hard as it is, you know, rightfully there's the big performance bubble and there is that, elephant in the room sometimes after the career but we are becoming more embracive of that aren't we and just understanding that it's not failure or it's not your backup plan it is part of the journey you will retire at some point so as Danielle's pointed out you prepared tooth and nail for everything as an elite athlete in your performance environment why not offer the the same approach when you start decide to step away from a performance perspective I mean, I could have, couldn't have put it better myself, Tom. You're absolutely right. I mean, athletes would be almost world class at understanding what they need to work on, you know, what their strengths are, um, what they need to do next, if you like, what their opposition's like, um, where they need to seize the moment, seize the opportunity, present it, how they even create the opportunity. They're unbelievable life skills. I mean, amazing. And it comes naturally to them, even at a relatively young age. In fact, athletes we often come into contact with don't realise the unbelievable focus and dedication and self-awareness they've got when it comes to sport. They're just not aware of that now. It's so intuitive and so natural to them. What I might add to that is you can probably see quite quickly as well which of those athletes are quite chatty, who maybe some are a little bit more guarded, 
maybe some take their time to suss out, you know, this sports aid event or whatever we're doing or the company that they're with before they sort of open up a little bit more. Um, and I'd like them to think that that's a way of analysing what they might think about in this transition through and then beyond sport. I like working with people. I like, I'm really comfortable with young people. I mean, if you play it the other way to National Lottery, sort of international GB athletes, not every one of those Team GB athletes that, that, that does those visits as part of their National Lottery support would be very good in a school assembly environment. Not every one of them would be great with a sort of corporate chat to a, a group of business people. Not everyone would be fantastic in a community setting, trying sport and being physical with their activities. It's sort of a little bit horses for courses. And I think being encouraged in a sort of structured but kind of light touch way to think about what young people are good at during their sporting journey maybe avoids that moment maybe some of the experience Danielle had that when you're about to stop and you have to sit down and write your CV you've got to come up with ways that you illustrate you're good at teamwork or that you're a great communicator or that you've got focus or that you can plan when actually you've probably got 101 examples at your fingertips that you've been doing it for so long that that CV could be written live time whilst you're going through sport and you're just iterating it as you add to your experiences. Easier said than done. Completely understand that. But I wonder if sport and the sporting environment could be better at just supporting a little bit of that. And, and as I say, the way that you articulated that at the beginning is exactly right. You're thinking that there is an opportunity to build on something. And actually, I didn't know that that, that was available. And that is me all over. You know, I, I think I'll go for that because that's people orientated. It allows me to talk to my peers. It's it's local um, or, or it's lots of traveling, you know, whatever I might like. So opening horizons, I think definitely that that sponge mentality, not the rock. We'd, we'd love to support that a bit. So you're open to those step that stimulus. And it's it's a habit to have. So you can't force it. But we want to create the environment to encourage it. And Danielle, you're the only one who can answer this in terms of, I don't know, are you, are you looking to replicate that same buzz that you had as, a, as an elite, as a high performance athlete or for yourself, it just give, it's given you the opportunity to explore other aspects of who Danielle is in terms of becoming an author, obviously for yourself in terms of motivational speaking as well, I guess. The opportunities are endless, I guess, but also it's just, as Tim talked about, is maybe just getting comfortable with acknowledging that not in a bad way, you are starting to think about that next chapter. Yeah, I mean, for, from my personal view, you know, it's it's a bit of both. I, I did go through a complete identity crisis when I came out of sport. You know, I didn't know who Danielle Brown, away from the bows and the arrows, was. And, and I had to sort of relearn that and, and get to know myself away from that environment. And I do very much still hanker after the, the adrenaline rush that I got when I was competing, which is why I love speaking you know when you're in front of that crowd you've got no place to hide you've got to be perfect you've got to deliver you get that adrenaline rush I absolutely love it but equally it's been really cool getting to explore other parts of me other things that I enjoy doing getting to try out other sports as well that I, I, I didn't have the time to when I was dedicating everything to to, to my sport so so I, I think that um it it it's sort of a bit of both but what I would say that athletes can be doing right now is building the network uh, and I think getting the opportunity where where 
athletes from other sports get to engage, get to mix, get to talk, getting to talk to, to people outside of that traditional athlete role. I just think it's really, really important for them for, the, for when they come out of that sport and learning those really key fundamental communication skills. You know, they're practicing it when they're, they're playing, but, but building other people into that network is just so, so crucial at this stage. So guys, we we started off the episode by trying to put our hats to one side as regards to sports aid, former athlete. If we can just re-engage back with that to finish off things. Starting with you, Danielle, what are you just most excited about sports? Because obviously, again, this is the huge benefit of Birmingham 22. There's going to be new sports. There's going to be different things to try as regards to just, a, again, from a, from a purely spectator's point of view, what's really got your juices going about potentially seeing live in action in Birmingham this summer? See, that I find that so difficult to answer because like I love the variety, you know, and I think if you set your heart on like I mean athletics is always a huge buzz because the stadium's the biggest and it's really exciting. But I think if you sort of set your heart on that, you can really miss some of the smaller ones that you might not necessarily go to and you really, really enjoy. So uh yeah, I've not got a plan. I I, I just want to soak up the whole experience and um yeah, just sort of try something new. And I guess for so for yourself, the, the fact that you've been used to so many major games of just being all about yourself and the archery and that sort of focus for you, it's a massive, a huge relief to think I'm carefree here. I can go and watch this. I can go watch that, you know, and I, it's, it's, that's is why we love sport, isn't it? Exactly. Enjoy it without the pressure. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> For you, Tim, is there anything, again, We, of course, this is a situation where we might offend someone. Oh, why didn't you say my sport? Or why didn't you acknowledge this? But I think it's a given that we're going to enjoy the whole thing. But I just wonder if there's anything in particular that's caught your eye. Yeah, yeah. Unashamedly, Tom, two two main things. I think one will be um, Team England Futures offers an opportunity to everyone involved with it. And I hope you, you would be included in that too, that there'll be some great, great individuals involved in this project, time with the athletes and the participants, time with support staff. And as we've been saying throughout this this podcast chat, the opportunity to see good operators operating is amazing. It's inspirational, motivational, it's a learning environment. And it, you know, it you've got to pick something up from that. So I'm massively excited to just see how the guests that we get involved speaking to the athletes others that you will have involved with the podcast series that will take us towards the games. That that has to be a learning opportunity for the whole of team, sports aids team and everyone involved with Team England Futures. I'm really excited with that. There's be some brilliant people, Danielle and, and you included. But I think from the games perspective, it's got to be the wheelchair basketball, 3v3, you know, in the open air environment, centre of town. It's a whole new format and... The, the team is small. So, you know, the wheelchair basketballers we've spoken to already, they, they are twitchy about selection. You know, that it's not a big squad that's needed for 3v3. It's into one basket at one end. It's going to be fast moving, super cool. It's going to be quite a show. So I, I'd be really, really gutted if I don't get a chance to see that live. I think it'd be brilliant. Tim Laura, Daniel Brown, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you to Danielle and Tim for joining us on the Sports Aid Vault. You can find out more about Sports Aid and Team England Futures by visiting sportsaid.org.uk and checking out at Team Sports Aid on Twitter and Instagram. 
The Sports Aid Vault podcast is produced by Hogarth Worldwide and Gramercy Park Studios, and our theme music is courtesy of Vidal Riley. You can check out his latest releases on Spotify. Man, I can't stop.